0: Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey.
1: Imagine you can't sleep. You look at your clock and it reads 2 a.m. You start to search the internet and you come across a skydiving video and you think simply, wow. Then imagine that moment where you reflect back that just a few weeks prior that you found out one of the most life-changing events happened when you were forced out of the Marine Corps. Confusion, sadness sets in as you think, What's next? You think, how am I gonna provide for my family? You think, what is my purpose? And what am I supposed to do next? This moment feels like you can't get any lower. This is rock bottom. Well, today our guest, Ira Davis, who is a former Marine Corps drill instructor is a skydiver, a dream development coach, and the founder of the Dream Diver Company, which is a transformational coaching company that teaches world-class leaders who are searching for something greater, how to discover their purpose and die for their most audacious dreams and how to destroy their biggest fears so they can take their place as a purpose-driven pioneer. Ira has worked with six to eight figure entrepreneurs and executives, NFL Hall of Famers, Grammy, Grammy Award winning singers, Olympic athletes, pastors, churches, colleges to help them discover their purpose and dive for their dreams to impact the world through his speaking, coaching, filmmaking, and skydiving. What does this man not do? Welcome to the show, Ira Davis.
2: Dr. Janny, what's going on? I'm excited to be here. How are you?
1: I am doing well. And we are so excited to have you. When I um, connected with you and find out that you said this term to me that you use the pulpit in the sky 13,000 feet and jump out of the plane over and over and over again. It just intrigued me. So with that being said, for all of the people who are watching you and who see you die for your dreams, who is Ira Davis? Who are you? Tell us a little Uh. bit about yourself.
2: That's a great question. That's a great question. I'm still discovering that, right? I'm a husband. I'm a father, uh, man of faith, Christian first, uh, love God first and foremost, Jesus to be more specific. i uh, been married going on 14 years this year in August, uh, father of two incredible young princes, soon to be kings. Uh, one is 10, one is 14 years old. Uh, and I am a man who's on a mission to help eradicate unfulfillment and people who are living and dying before they maximize their life, their potential, and do the thing that they were created and called to do. Uh, so hopefully that is a uh, a nice buttoned up version of who I am becoming and who I am today.
1: Well, that certainly is a mouthful, yeah. you know, and as you were talking about maximizing your potential, you know, there's this quote, and I can't remember exactly who said it, but I remember how who I heard it from was uh, was Kelly Wright. And he talked about the most expensive place in the world is the cemetery, hmm. right? All the people that lived a life but they didn't get a chance to fulfill their dreams. So you're gonna help us you're gonna help really set some people free today. But before we do that, take us on your journey. The first time and I have not jumped out of a plane yet, Ira, I've done the little sky thing here in Orlando where you jumped out a tube and you know they, uh-huh, they flip uh-huh. you around and all that stuff. And I thought I think that was satisfying for me, but who knows? <laughs> but tell us about your first time that you jumped out of a plane. Walk us through that journey of even how you come to how you came to that place
2: yeah so crazy uh and you know as a as a as a chief dream diver, you know we use the term dive very specifically as opposed to jump, and here's why um uh, you know jump is that thing where you run and you jump off of a thing expecting somebody to catch you uh but when you dream dive, you make an intentional decision when you dive out of a plane, you say, no, I know where I'm headed I don't know how how I'm going to exactly get there, what the turbulence is going to be like, but I'm committed and I'm intentional. And I have my eyes, my ears, my heart, and my soul on landing exactly where I saw in my head and my heart. And so, you know, the first time, uh, and we'll probably get into this, but when and when God told me that I was going to have to dive out of planes in order to be a living example of what he was calling me to do in the world, uh, you know, Dr. Lacey, I, I wanted to run the other way and hide. Um, because, you know, like most sane people, I'm terrified of heights. Like still to this day, I'm terrified of heights. Like I wouldn't I wouldn't dive off of my desk, off the kitchen counter. Like I'm terrified of heights. And um, he, he said, listen, I have too many people teaching analogies that they don't live. You won't be that person. And the way that the world will recognize your message, your miracle message, is by you stepping outside of your comfort zone, destroying everything that's comfortable to you, so that you can be a living example in a lighthouse to other people and so I had put this off for years right I was making I was making some small films and I was doing a little bit of speaking and a little bit of coaching and I had a client of mine who said man it's time for us to go do what god told you to do you know just you know five four years ago depending i forget when this client came into my life he said let's go we're gonna go together and so together me and one of my one-on-one clients we went uh we went on a tandem And it was the most satisfying and fulfilling thing that I had ever done. Being scared of heights, Dr. Lacey, um, I was not scared at any point during that process because I had lived it years before I had done it. And so everything that God was calling me to teach through what I was doing had already lined up with what was happening when I was at the drop zone. And I said, wow, you know, just from looking at it, I was given a perspective that was uh, in sync with what it actually is. And so I remember going up to 13,000 feet on that plane the first time thinking in my head, like, bro, you should be freaking out right now, but you're not. That's freaking me out that I'm not freaking out because I should be. Uh, and i tell you, um, the scariest part was the first 10 seconds of exiting the aircraft. After that, uh, I went into a whole other dimension of saying, okay, this is what I was created to do and bring people along with me. So it was incredible, hit the ground. My family was there. uh, And it was just a a joyous celebration uh, because everybody knew that that was a line in the sand for me and a coming out party uh, for my assignment. So yeah, that's what it was like on my first tandem. It was, it was crazy.
1: So since then, is there a certain number of dives that you've taken? Have you kept track?
2: Yeah, so right now I'm on dive number seven, eight-ish. I'm in my student status. Um, So I am slowly learning to become a solo uh, skydiver. Uh, And at 25, I'll get my A license where I can just go up alone and dive alone and have no coaches with me. So I'm in that process. But, you know, that process has been delayed uh, about six, seven, eight months due to an injury uh, of learning the craft, the art of skydiving. But um, we're moving along swiftly.
1: So you don't want to tell us about that that injury? I saw a picture of it somewhere, I think maybe on Instagram.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So so let me give you a short and skinny of it. March 27, 2021, I was six days away from launching my first live event and experience called Dare to Dream Bigger, where 20 and 25 incredible world-class leaders, purpose-driven entrepreneurs flew in from around the country uh, to the drop zone here in Southern California. And we hosted a phenomenal event where I poured into them for four or five hours. And then at about one o'clock PM, we took them up to 13,000 feet and gave them the opportunity to dive for their dreams and to become dream divers. And it was six days before that event. And I was at the drop zone working on some more student dives, right? Getting some reps in. My COO was there at the drop zone with me that morning. We had a meeting because we have a partnership with that drop zone. And he was waiting for me to go up in the air and come back down. So I go up in the air. He's sitting at the picnic table waiting for me. And 20 minutes goes by. 30 minutes goes by and he's like, where's Ira? Why is he not back yet? Then he hears an ambulance. Then he hears the police sirens. And he's saying, where, where is Ira? He should be back by now. Like, all, I've seen the people go up, land, come back. I didn't see Ira, where is he? And he starts to think, where, that, can't, that can't be him, that the, the ambulance and the, and the sheriffs are coming for. And he starts asking around. And sure enough, they say, yeah, that's Ira in the field. Uh, he's down and he's down hard, uh, but he's okay. Uh, so they, he hops on a van and they take him out there to me. And lo and behold, he finds me. He rolls up, he he's rolls up and he's filming. I say, Sean, and keep in mind, um, I completely dislocated my entire left ankle um, from, from my foot and from my leg. Uh, and I'd broken my ankle on the inside and the outside. Um, and he pulls up on this van. And the first thing I say to him is, Sean, I hope you're filming. Uh, because while the paramedics are freaking out and everybody else around me is freaking out, I'm here with a smile on my face because I know we just got three more keynotes and another chapter or maybe a whole book. Uh, and so uh, he was thinking what what I what I was thinking. He rolled up and he was already filming because he knew that this was going to be transformational. And so six days later, Dr. Lacey, I walked into our event. We, we made a video about the accident. None of, none of the people who had tickets knew. And so when I when they saw the video, Some of them thought it was just a cute video. They didn't know it was real. And when I walked in the door on crutches, there wasn't a dry eye in the room. Um, And I led off with this topic, no risk, no reward. Everybody wants to do something great, but not everybody is willing to do what it takes. Not everybody's willing to go all in and, and be willing to risk the bruises, the bumps, the embarrassment, the setbacks that is required to be somebody that is world-class, that the world wants to learn from and grow from and to be who you were called to be. And so, uh, yeah, so I'm sitting here right now. Most people don't know, but my cast is off, my boot is off, and I've been slowly walking for the past two weeks. And so I'm super excited to be able to get back in the air soon.
1: Well, if that's not a story of perseverance, because I'm imagining (laughs) myself, if I was fearful and that first 10 seconds, and then I'm now on my seventh or eighth jump, and I... Have this devastating injury that's setting me back. I don't know if I would get back in the sky, right? Mm. But you, but isn't that the metaphor of life? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes we get these obstacles and we get these things that say, you know, this is it. Whatever you were dreaming, it's it's impossible. Or we get the fear. All these things set in. So I'm gonna come back to that for a minute because I really want you to help somebody today. Yes, ma'am. But I'm gonna pivot here for for a minute. Tell us a little bit about your 10 years in the Marine Corps. I mean, yeah. When you think about some of the greatest lessons, especially, you know, I'm sure the day when everything came crashing down, you know, you probably had a, a reel in your head. But when you kind of look back over those, those 10 years, I mean, when you look back now, I mean, what were some of your greatest lessons as part of the, the elite, so to speak?
2: Yeah, yeah. Being a Marine was definitely a highlight of my life. Um, you know, it, it gave me a structure that I needed to be successful. Um, It allowed me to have one of the most prestigious job titles on the planet. Uh, Very few people will ever have the title Marine. Very few people beyond that will ever have the title of Marine Corps drill instructor um, who makes the few the proud, which I had the privilege to be in both. And, you know, I met some of the greatest people in the world. Um, Let me tell you something. You want to see a place where you will have brothers and sisters of all colors, from all cultures, from all walks of life. It's the military. There are some places where it's very clicked up in the military, but I'm telling you, I have brothers and sisters that don't look like me, don't come from where I come from, who I haven't spoken to in years. I can call them now and they'll give me the shirt off their back. They'll give me the last pair of underwear in their drawer, right? They'll go in and give me the last piece of whatever is on the table um, because there's nothing like crying, serving, and being terrified when another human being that brings you together and all that other foolishness that we talk about goes out of the window right? And and so for most of you listening today, you know what I'm talking about. You haven't been in the military. Remember the weeks and the months right after 9-11 when this country was more family than it's ever been ever. We were more family than we've ever been ever. Why? Because we know what it means to be terrified together and to need each other. And all that other foolishness goes out of the window. And so if I pulled anything away from the core is that we are more alike than we are different. Is are you willing, are you willing to lay down all this other crap that your parents handed you, that your neighborhood taught you, that your teachers tried to implant you and TV tries to teach you and see somebody for the flesh and blood and soul that they are. Um, I got buddies that wear cowboy boots and I got buddies who, you know, you know wear skinny jeans and, and, and fitted suits. But when we get together, it's a mutual love uh, that we have for each other because we know what it means to lay it all on the line for something that's bigger than us. And so, if I if I could take anything away from my ten years, is knowing that when you when you lay that foolishness aside, we can do some great things together as, as human beings uh, and, and as God's creation.
1: So we are more like than we are different, and I would imagine that same principle is true when it comes to fear. So let's kind of pivot back there for yeah. a minute. So. Yeah. When you help people face their fears, taking them up to 13,000 feet in the air, which Mm -hmm. disclaimer, I have not done yet. (laughs) So share with us how this helps overcome the obstacles to moving forward toward success. Like, how does this help people face their fear and take those obstacles?
2: Yeah. Yeah. You know, the number one thing that I see in people and I work with world class leaders um, who are at the top of whatever it is that they do. They've gotten to the top and said, listen, if I died today and went to heaven and God asked me, did I do the thing that I was created to do? My answer would be no. And I would sit there and cry because I had done everything else, but the thing he created and crafted me to do, right? By everybody else's standards, I'm successful. I'm happy, blah, 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 blah. And I went through that same thing, right? I was a Marine. I was a drill instructor. I was happy. I, I, excuse me. I, I was unhappy, but I was unhappily hiding behind the mask of what looked like prestige. Oh, you're a Marine, blah, 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 blah. But in my heart, I knew I was made for something so much bigger than that. And so um, one of the things that stops most of these world-class leaders from stepping into the area of their purpose and their most audacious dreams to birth something great into the world is fear. It's psychological fear. Not fear of bodily harm, but psychological fear. Am I good enough? Do I have to become poor to step into purpose? Um, uh, Will my family understand what I've been called to? Will, Will my wife or husband understand that I have to walk away from this amazing job that's providing benefits and a paycheck and a roof and vacations to do this thing that I feel called to that nobody's ever seen, I can't explain it. And so we use dream diving as a commitment ceremony to say, listen, if you are willing to destroy and dominate the fear just for a minute, right? I call it being fearless. Two words, break it in half. Fearless, right? It's not that you are fearless, it's that you understand that fear is there, but you choose to allow it to have less control over your next move because your next move will get you closer to fulfilling the assignment for your life. And if you're willing to to be fearless in the air with me, when we get down to the ground when I help you start to cultivate your purpose and turn that and unlock your dream and turn that dream into what I call a dream diver business, right? A, a, a business that will shape culture, shift humanity and serve miracles through your purpose. When, you, we, when we recall that exercise of you bursting through fear and doing what most people won't do, there's nothing you can't do on the ground. There is nothing you can't do on the ground. Like, like I remember we had a lady who showed up to the event uh, in April, Dare to Dream Bigger, and she was scared of her own shadow. Mm. But by the time she left, by the time she left, she was set free. That book that she was supposed to be writing, she finally sent it off to the editor. The things that she was supposed to do, she finally did. That, that person in her life who kept talking negative to her, she was like, uh-uh. I, do you know what I just did? Do you know what I just accomplished? There is nothing that I can't do if I can get up in a plane terrified with my knees knocking Dive out of that plane at 13,000 feet, where I can see the stars, the moon, the sun, the clouds, the mountains, and the lake. There's nothing I can't do. And so, you show me a person who can dive out of a plane at 13,000 feet, um, who can't come back down and create the next great movement, crusade, or thing that changes not half of humanity, but all of humanity. And so, this is a commitment that we use to say, Listen, you are more capable than you think you are. Let me show you the way. And 13,000 feet is just the key that opens up and unlocks the pathway to people who, who, who have their best and brightest days in front of them. And so listen, they're scared when they're up there. And guess what? Me too. You know, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I didn't just wake up yesterday and be like, hey, I want to fly. Like, no, I, I don't. Every time I get up there, I am being fearless. I'm choosing my assignment over my fear. And so that, that's the exercise. Choose your assignment over your fear and watch what will happen because it's the crazy people, it's the audacious ones who you read books about, who you go watch movies about, who sits on Oprah's couch. You don't want to do crazy, but then you'll be regular. That, that's the formula. You don't want to be audacious when they, nobody will ever know you or your message or what it is that you do. But when you step into audaciousness, the world is watching. You choose you. You do you. You don't have to come. But I'm telling you, if you do come, your life will never, ever be the same. Dr. Lacey, I'm not calling you out, but I am.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I hear you talking to me. <laughs> you know, as you, you mentioned, Oprah, reminds me of, um, you know, one of our previous guests, Tim, Tim yeah. Story, one of her, her life coach. And he talks about us living that extraordinary and ordinary life, that miracle life. And I'm yeah. I'm hearing that, you know, even with your um with your goal, but you know, I also hear this assignment in the sense that this is what I'm imagining myself, you know, as I'm walking, I'm on the plane, I'm doing a tandem jump with you Mm -hmm. and I freak out. So the door opens, I'm already on your back. What happens? So if someone says, you know, Ira, I can't do this. And they start freaking out once the door opens, they're hearing the wind, they're seeing the clouds, but we've made it all the way to the top. Has that ever
2: happened? (laughs) That that has never happened. And so I just want to put it and be clear. Um, you don't get attached to Ira Davis. I'll be in a plane with you and I'll dive and then you'll dive with your instructor who has thousands of jumps under his belt or her belt. Right. I want to be clear. You uh-huh. won't be diving with me. I only got seven. Uh, but we'll be Diving alongside of each other. Okay. But that should never happen. Mm-hmm. And you know why It's because they're surrounded by a community of people who are also dream divers. And so when you're surrounded around people who have Walt Disney sized dreams, who have Elon Musk size faith, who have Steve Jobs size audacity, you won't be the one who goes back down to the plane with the pilot. I promise you, you won't be. Because you didn't come this far just to come this far. You came this far because you know that what's on the other side of this, this is like the starting line, right? This, when you dive out of the plane, like it's one of my, and I'm about to steal this from one of my clients, he was there, <laughs> he, he came back down to the ground, he landed, and when, because my anchor was broke, I wasn't able to, to dive with them on this one. He walked up to me and he did like this. Ah, he had his dream diver shirt on. He was just ah, like Superman opening up his shirt um, so he can become Superman. And what that meant to me was is that when he went up in the air, he went up as one person. When he landed, he came back as a dream diver, somebody who was willing to allow fear to stop him from doing what he was called and created to do. And we talk about a guy, he's a serial entrepreneur. He don't need more money. He doesn't need more success. No, what he needs is purpose and fulfillment. And when he did like this, ah, that was a representation of what this does for people. It allows you to walk away from that mask and that false self you've been holding on to, right, that everybody expects you to have. It allows you to it, it, it makes it OK for you to be audacious. And go after things that most average people wouldn't go after so no nobody has ever said no i'm not gonna do it but i <laughs> i'm crossing my fingers dr lacy that that never happens um uh but if it does if it does sometimes we have these times in our lives where we step up to the dream and we're not ready we step up to the we step up to the dream to execute and we don't have what it takes not because everything around us is scary but because uh, of what we are lacking or dealing with that won't allow us to move forward. And so if and when that does happen, because I expect it to happen once or twice or 10 times or hundred times, it's going to be a learning process for that individual. And guess what? What I'm going to teach them is if at first you don't succeed, try again, try again, because there's going to be some dreams that you're going to die for. Guess what? You're going to break an ankle. That doesn't mean you stop. There's going to be some dreams you go to die for and you stop right before you exit. But guess what? As long as you have breath in your body, as long as you are still living, you have the opportunity to step up to the plate and swing a home run. This is a battle between you and you, not between you and me and everybody else in the community. It's what do you want for your life? What do you want for your life? And so, uh, Lord, I, I, I can't wait to that day because that's going to challenge me as, as the dream development coach to be able to pour into that individual who wasn't able to, um, but I've never had that happen. And so we're going to cross <laughs> our fingers uh, that that doesn't happen.
1: So hopefully I won't be the first, but, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but what I heard you say is very valuable and I, and I want to um, highlight it is proximity is power. Those people yeah. that we have around us, the image I was getting in my head as you were talking was almost like that lion going out for their first hunt, right? They're traveling in a pack and he and he or she knows, right? The lioness, they all know that there's a pack. So, and I hear that, you know, when you're up there and you are with that team in the preparation. So even if in that moment, the fear would overtake me. So I'll say me, overtakes me in that moment. And I freeze, I can look around and see my dream team who's cheering me on, who's giving me the confidence, who is lifting me up. Talk to us a little bit about when you are helping you know, the many people, because you also said something very important and success doesn't necessarily, success and purpose doesn't necessarily equal income. You and I both know lots of people that have lots of money, but they don't even know their purpose, but they are able to generate lots of income, eight, nine, 10 figures. But when you think about, you know, that, that moment of finding their purpose and all of that stuff, I mean, and and the people around us, I mean, you're, you're dropping some time. Talk to us a little bit about that.
2: Yeah. Uh, Give me, clarify that question a little bit more for me. Cause I want to nail it.
1: Sure. Absolutely. So I, I probably said two questions in there. Okay. First, talk to us about the importance of the people around us. Okay. And then the second was talking about that purpose doesn't necessarily equate
2: to income. Absolutely. Yeah. Listen, um, there are two types of people in the world, those who see reality and those who see possibility. When you have a dream that's brewing in you, that's bigger than anything you've ever seen or been exposed to, you must surround yourself with people who see possibility. They may not see your possibility because it's yours, but they have the DNA of a possibility uh, person. Right. And so when you surround yourself with those people, they will give life and a room and, and, and reason and allow you to be who you are. They will encourage you and equip you and surround you so you don't self implode. Right. So you don't blow up from the inside out. But when you surround yourself with people who only see reality, right? It's not because they don't love you that they will choke your dreams out. It's because they love you, but they are not equipped with the DNA of a dream diver to see more. Like if you would have, like half of what we love and experience today was created by what I call a dream diver, somebody who was had pioneer visionary DNA in them, who was adamant that they would die before they leave this earth before they not accomplish or do the thing that they were created to do, right? So when you surround yourself with people um, who have this DNA in them, there's a certain wind beneath your wings that they give you. There's a certain push and encouragement that they give you that you can't get if you're surrounded by people who only want to be consumers instead of creators, who only want to be average instead of being extraordinary, right? And so you have to surround yourself with people who won't allow you to be what your natural self wants to be. They will call you out and into who you were created to be because they see you and they know what it means to dream and to, to build and to create on another level. And so for me, that's been critical. It's surrounding myself with people who say, bro, I see you, go harder, go faster. What do you need? I'm here, If you need, if, whether it's prayer, a phone call, a text message, money, resources, connections. I see the vision. Let's go. It ain't mine. It's yours. Whatever you need, let's go. And so you must surround yourself with those kind of people if you're ever going to build anything that's bigger than you or go anywhere that's further than you. There's a quote, right? We all know it. If you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go with a dream team. And so I I encourage you to find a dream team, people who will support you. Some call it a board of directors for your life. People who won't allow you to fall victim to victim mentality, who will allow you to cry for 10 seconds and then five seconds later to tell you to get your butt up, wipe your tears. You got a world to go change. Right. So that's number one. Hopefully that answers your question um, there. (laughs) Uh, And number two, you know, we talk about purpose and, and finances, right? Purpose doesn't always equal income. However, I believe this. I believe that um, within there's there's two kind of dream divers that I normally deal with. Those who are entrepreneurs and those who are intrapreneurs. Entrepreneurs meaning you were called to create and build. Entrepreneur meaning your purpose and dream will intersect and interlock with the vision of a greater entrepreneur. So you can go in and serve the vision of the house, the business, the company, the ministry, whatever that is, right? And so um, I believe for me, um, based on my research, that you will spend more time in your life in the area of your vocation than you do anywhere else on this planet. I don't care who you married and how beautiful or fine they are, you're more married to your vocation than you are that man or that woman. It's just data. You'll spend more time at work than anywhere else in your life. And so I believe that uh, within us, we have the ability to turn our purpose into our vocation. Now, that's not everybody's assignment, right? But I deal with the people whose assignment intersects with their purpose and their vocation. And I teach individuals how to clarify? Number one, discover their purpose, unlock their dream, turn that dream into a dream dive or a purpose-driven business, right? And I and I teach people uh, that you don't have to be broke and pursue your purpose, right? Purpose doesn't mean poverty.
1: So purpose doesn't mean poverty. So, you know, you are just, um, you're setting somebody free. Because I think a lot of times people get this um, absolutely confused. And then also really looking at that the people who are around us, that they also can love us, but they speak life into us and they motivate us. So we're getting ready to take our break. And when we come back, I'm going to ask our skydiver here about some of his greatest life lessons. So we're going to open the curtain to Ira Davis's life. So we'll be right back. Let's talk about it with Janie Lacey.
3: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America.
0: Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com.
3: Are you living day by day nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed? This is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regretted? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it. Anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So, call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate.
0: Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It.
1: Well, We are here today with our special guest, Ira Davis. He's helping us face our fears break free of those obstacles. And maybe a few of you after listening or watching or looking to jump up there, jump, go to the school. Oh, let me correct that. are going to dive, <laughs> skydive from 13,000 feet in the air and you'll never be the same. You'll only be better. But we'll get back to that in just a minute because I want to take a moment and I want to have Ira open up the curtains of his life so we can understand the man who's talking to us today. So what would be some things, welcome back to the show, Ira.
2: Thank you so much.
1: What are some of your, you know, we all have them, you know, we hear some of these um, sayings, turn our pain into purpose, right? So when you understand, you know, I recently read Oprah Winfrey, her co-authored book about what happened to you. And Mm. when people understand the context of our story, they understand who they are. So I want to get people to know a little bit about Ira. So what would be some of your life's greatest pain points that contribute to the man that we are hearing and seeing today?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Great question. Uh, Yeah, and for you to understand who I am and what I do today, you definitely have to understand where I came from. Um, You know, I had a phenomenal life um, beyond... uh, You know, what happened as as a young child um, was born to a mother who was addicted to drugs uh, and I had a phenomenal father. Shout out to all the fathers. Happy Father's Day in advance or whenever this goes out. Uh, Belated Father's Day. But I had a father who said, you know what, I'm going to rescue my kids from this situation. And he found us laying in a bathroom tub as my mom was passed out in the bathroom of a friend's house. And he said uh, he made a commitment that day he would never leave outside ever again. So he um, he did what fathers do. Um and he he stepped in and he provided and he mentored and he coached us. Uh and he did what a father was supposed to do, showed us how to live a life um that was pleasing and honorable to God uh and to society. And so he remarried uh to the, the woman I call mother today, Jennifer, you know, Smith. And um and together they showed us how to live a a, a Christian life, a life of hard work. And um saw my father Literally, man, work his way up, still with no degree to this day, but every company he went to, he made six, seven figures um, in, in executive leadership. And I saw my mom go from a stay-at-home mom to now having a bachelor's, two two bachelors and a PhD in education. And so they modeled hard work and Christian faith. Uh, and so I came from that, uh, but I was a middle child, so I always felt like I was lost in the sauce. Uh, I wasn't great academically. I wasn't great uh, in sport. I wasn't great in music. I wasn't great in anything. Um, But I was great at thinking outside the box and having vision. Uh, But when you're growing up, Dr. Lacey, there's no award for a kid who's a leader, an inspirer and a visionary like that's unheard of. And so I I spent most of my life thinking I was crazy and out of place. I felt like God, when he was passing out purpose and dreams, he skipped over me. And so I spent a life not making the grades, not getting the awards, not doing all those different things. And so I ended up joining the Marine Corps because I love to lead and inspire. I got in the Marine Corps. And I uh, found out that I was 20% fulfilled, 80% miserable. 20% fulfilled because I could lead and inspire every single day. But that wasn't the actual job. That was the DNA of a Marine. It wasn't the job description. And so I, had, I spent 10 years being phenomenal at 20%. But it was the 80% that I dealt with alone that nobody knew about that I was unhappy with. But because it provided it paid and it was prestigious, I had to stay. Because I didn't, I felt like I didn't have anything else to offer the world. And so, you know, I was a drill instructor um, between 2010, 2011-ish. Uh, got kicked off of that duty for being a wild man. Uh, I was training the boys just a little too hard. And they say, bro, you got to go, right? Before you hurt yourself or somebody else, you got to go. So I got relieved of that duty. And at the time, that was my only dream, is to become a Marine Corps drill instructor. That's why I joined the Corps. It took me eight years to be able to qualify for that duty. And in a year and a half, it was gone. Uh, and... I knew that I have three years on my enlistment left to qualify for promotion. And if I didn't, it'd be over. Three years came and gone. I, you know, I did all the things I could do. I won every award you can think of as a Marine to rebound my career, my, my record jacket. Came time for promotion. I got passed over for promotion. And headquarters Marine Corps sent me a letter saying I was no longer uh, going to be allowed to be able to stay a Marine. And when my contract was up, it was time for me to roll on. And so that was June of 2014. My contract was up in September. If you do the math, that's three months to pack my bags to my family of four. No money, no savings account, like no education, I had nothing. Um, but beyond all the tangible things that I didn't have, I had no clue still of what I was called to do. So I went um, and did a taboo thing. I went to a therapist um, and uh, as a Marine, as a war fighter, that's taboo to go see a therapist. But beyond that, I'm a black man uh, and, and it's now I'm two steps into weird, right? Because I'm going to see a therapist. But I knew that depression was sinking in and I knew if I didn't, if I didn't go get help, that I would implode and eventually be no good to my family, to my children and to anybody else. Um, so I went and I sat on the therapist's couch. You know how this goes, right? Dr. Lacey, I went, sat on the therapist's couch so and kneecap and kneecaps. I said, doc, I need you to help me. I said, I'm a grown man with a wife and two kids. I don't know what I was born to do with my life, but in my heart, I know that I was born for something great. But when I look at my life, Doc, everything around me that I touch seems average. And I got to get out of the Marine Corps now and get another job to provide, but I, I can't be just another number. Can you help me? And we talked for about four or five sessions and he came back to me, Dr. Leach, and he said, listen, in my personal professional opinion, I believe that you will put on this earth to inspire people, out to their bones to go after their dreams. He said, when you talk about certain things, you light up like a light bulb. When you talk about other things, you turn into this turtle and you go in your shell. He said, so I don't know what that looks like for you, whether it's writing a book or speaking. I challenge you to go on a journey to figure it out. And so I left his office that day, like most people leave your office, like <sighs> Dr. Lacey just, either she really made me really upset or my mind won't stop clicking, right? So I went in the car, my mind was just racing and I prayed and I cried. It was, it was like a hot July day and I prayed and I cried. And I said, Lord, the epiphany light bulbs are going off everywhere. What are you saying? And that was the moment where God just began to reveal to me after all these years of searching for who I was, he began to reveal to me who I was. And he said things like, you're a transformational leader, you're a visionary leader, you're a communicator, you're a pioneer and you're a phenomenal creative. I'm gonna use this and give you a platform to inspire people to go after their wildest dreams the person that you needed all these years, you are now that person for other people. I'm sending you on a crusade. And I mean, from it was that day where I went from seeing black and white to seeing in 4K. Um, Everything was clear at that point on why I had gone through what I went through and why this season of my life where I felt like he was breaking me down to kill me. You know, when you go through that pain, it feels like God is like, what are you doing? Why are you crushing me, right? What's going on? And God was like, listen, I'm breaking you down to rebuild you like Legos, right? You wanted your life to look like the box where it shows you how the Legos are supposed to be built. But no, what you don't realize is is that Legos have multiple uses and multiple dimensions that we can create things. And I want to build you how I see you. And so I had to lose prestige in order to gain purpose. And from that, God is now building up right? It took years of him building me down, but now he's building me up. And so what I thought I lost was actually being invested into the future of what I'm about to step into. And so that that is a little bit about how I got to this point, seven years from that moment where my Marine Corps career ended.
1: It truly embodies that pain to purpose. So stick with me for a minute. Let's go back to the IRA who's walking in the therapist's office. Yeah. You know, you're, there's confusion, you're upset, you know, f- forced out of the Marine Corps, not knowing how you're going to take care of your family, what you're going to do with your life. I mean, what would you say? And all the things that you now know, and turning that pain to purpose and all the blessings that you've received since then, like, what would you say to that man that was walking in the therapist's office that day? What would you say to him now?
2: <laughs> uh, I would say to him what you don't realize is you're walking into a graduation. <laughs> you, you feel like you're walking into hell but you're actually walking into a graduation. As you're about to graduate to a season of your life that you've always felt in your bones but you've never saw through your own eyes. And so um, this is the beginning of everything that you always knew about you, but can never put your finger on. Don't quit in the process because it doesn't feel like it's supposed to feel or look like it's supposed to look. If you keep going, if you keep going, God will establish you because of your obedience and your, your audacity to have the faith that you read about and talk about. If you have the audacity to actually live it, you're stepping into a graduation season. So that's what I would say to that young version of me who felt like um, I didn't, I was no longer worthy of having the wife and the kids that I had, because after 10 years of being a Marine I had nothing to offer them at this point. So that would be my, my message to young Ira Davis. It's graduation season.
1: <laughs> I like that graduation season. Keep focused and hang on. The day's coming is what I hear yeah so what do you think not only in your own personal journey and thank you so much for for sharing all that with us in your own personal journey what do you and also in your professional coaching and helping transform so many leaders I mean what do you think is contributes to people that are not building the life that they want to wake up to every single day in their life right there's so many opportunities and we want to build that life that we want to wake up to every single day yeah. in your mind and your in your opinion I mean what contributes to people not doing that?
2: Fear. Mm. Period. You could slice it many different ways. There's several types of fear, but as one word, is fear. Afraid of everything. <laughs> Most people are afraid of everything. And we talked about it a little bit earlier. I'm afraid of what my spouse is going to think. I'm afraid of what my peers will think. I'm afraid of what my parents will think. I'm afraid of losing it all. I went heck. I went to college for x amount of years. I have 22 degrees and 17 initials behind my name. If I walk away from this to get to that, what did I just waste all that time? Like they're afraid of starting from the beginning. They're afraid to push pause on what used to be to start what could be. They're afraid not to be able to go on three vacations a year and drive the car that they need. They think they're supposed to be driving while they're building what's about to be greater than what they're holding on to. Like it's fear of everything. And really, God wants to get you something that's so much bigger than what you're afraid of losing. You have no clue what's on the other side of what you're holding on to like a death grip. Like there is freedom in letting go. There's freedom of, when you step into the, the arena of the impossible, there was a freedom that you feel just like you feel when you are at 13,000 feet free falling through the air at, at speeds that are in insane, like there is freedom in losing control and allowing the greatest parts of you to be exposed. And I think so many world-class leaders are in a cage that is decked out with velvet, velour Gucci and Louis. It looks nice, but it's still a prison that you have built around you, knowing that you want to escape, that you're screaming on the inside, like most world-class leaders, not all of them, who are not living in the area of the purpose. They've reached the pinnacle. They are bleeding on the inside, and they're trying to put Band-Aids on what needs surgery. And so when I, when I encounter a lot of people, most of these people are so afraid of letting go of what used to serve them to step into what they know is the is the answer for what is next. Like there's the cure for cancer here, and then there's keeping cancer. And most of these leaders are like, I'd rather keep cancer than to let go and go get the cure because I don't I don't know how co- I'm not confident in what's beyond what I've what's currently killing me. Like think about that. I'd rather stay here and die than step into the possibility of being able to live a greater life. And so when I, t- when I take these leaders <laughs> through these exercises, you see a different version of them that says, man, all this other stuff that was good and great and exceptional to other people, that does not have to be my life, that does not have to be my story. If I was great enough to build a business over here once and be profitable, well, maybe I can take my purpose attach a miracle message to it and a monetization model to it and go out and do it again. But this time it'd be connected to my heart. That's what I teach people. Like purpose doesn't equal poverty. Like transformation is priceless. It's not free. And so what I do, right? It's not free. It's priceless. So therefore I put a price on it. Right. And so I don't have to starve. Because I've been able to, like you and other people, been able to take my business acumen and the things that I've learned as an entrepreneur, attach it to my purpose and go out and be great. Instead of saying, this is my purpose, I must give it away. No, people spend thousands and millions of dollars on things that will destroy them and not serve them. You have the the responsibility to make someone pay for transformation because it's the one thing that will change them for a lifetime, right? And so people think that transformation should be given. No, it should be earned and it should be worked for, right? We don't give out education for free. Education has a a price. And so when you step into the arena of your purpose, you better believe you're gonna have to go through a university style experience to build it into something that is now profitable And profit is not a dirty word because you can only help people based on the amount of resources that you have. And so if I have two dollars, I can only take one person dream diving. But if I have two million, I'm taking the whole state of California. Right. And so in order for me to grow and get this message to the world that you don't have to die with dreams in your heart, you don't have to die being unfulfilled. I must put a dollar amount and a value on the transformation that it took me my whole life to discover that was hidden in me, to then package it and bring it to you, right? And so a lot of people won't step into purpose because they think it equals poverty. But just because you're walking away from good to get to purpose doesn't mean you're leaving your experience, you're leaving your wisdom. You're not starting from zero, you're starting from where you started from. (laughs) You're starting from where you're leaving from. And so if you were a six, seven figure executive at Google, if you're gonna step into building something in the area of your purpose, you're not starting from zero. You're starting from being that six, seven figure Google executive that's now about to build her or his own enterprise, right? So you're never starting from zero. So you're not losing experience. You're not losing, no, you're, you're losing stability in that. And you're betting on you. And most people don't wanna bet on themselves because now I have to look in the mirror and say, why didn't you execute? Why aren't you doing the things you're supposed to do? Why, why aren't you investing into yourself? Right. We don't want to hold ourselves accountable. I give you this quick story and I'm done. I was an electrician. That was my MOS in the Marine Corps, right? Electricity. And I was terrible, Dr. Lee. I was horrible at being an electrician. So I always found leadership positions. And so when I got out of the Marine Corps, you know, my wife and people were like, why don't you do like electricity things around the house? No, because if I mess it up, I can only hold me accountable. Not going to do it, right? And most people don't want to have to look themselves in the eye and hold themselves accountable. So we can be a
1: Christian. And be building a business because we know that income is the vehicle to make greater impact. Come on. So you you just told us a sermon, mm-hmm. <laughs> a masterclass, mm-hmm. all in one. So for all you Christians, you can be income-driven because that gives you a greater vehicle to make greater impact. So then also, Ira, I also hear that someone's listening and they said, you know what? That's me. I'm in a prison. And what do I do? So what's some of the first couple of steps. Someone's hearing that, they're identifying it. And you also mentioned it in your journey about, you know, being in those, the the 80% of being miserable, right? That psychological isolation. When we feel alone, we feel like no one understands us. If you go to a spouse, you go to a friend, you feel like they don't get it. They just say, try harder. And someone understands that that fear is blocking them. I mean, what can be something that they can do right now today to start the journey, to break free from those obstacles and those challenges of fear that's holding them back?
2: Yeah. So, you walk into the emergency room, you don't just sit down and look around and then get up and leave. No, you go up to the front desk and you sign in and say, I need help. Something's wrong. And so the first step for you is to stand up and say, I need help. And you need to go find you somebody who is a specialist in the area of purpose and dreams or whatever it is that you're trying to get into. And you say, I need your help. And I'm willing to put my money, my life, my energy, my time, and my faith, where my pain is. Right. And so That's the first step is you have to recognize that there's a shift happening in you. And if you don't address it, you're gonna bleed out. You're gonna bleed out. And so don't be the one who walks in the ER and then leaves because you're not willing to sign up on the list to say, I need help and put your life where your pain is. And so that was the first step. I had to go to the therapist and say, hey, I'm bleeding. And if I don't get help, I'm gonna bleed out and I'm gonna have nothing left to give. So first step is number one, you must acknowledge that you're in pain and that there's a shift that needs to happen. You're feeling something audacious and great brewing in you and you must seek out the help that you need, right? Your car is, is bubbling over and your engine is hot. Who are you taking it to? You're not going home. You're going to the shop. And so what are you going to do with your life? It's time for you to get to the shop. And so God has put people in place who can help you. They've walked your shoes. They're not just, they're not just bringing you, you know, pedigree from the books. They've lived this, right? And so go get help. Number two is you have to start recognizing who you are. Who are you, right? There's some things in you that he wants to use that can change your life and other people's life around you. So those are just real two quick things. You need to go get help from somebody who does this at a high level, who inspires you, who when they say, get it together, you'll be like, yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Right. And then number two is, is you need to start recognizing that there's some incredible things about you and change the story about you.
1: So asking for help doesn't make you weak. It actually makes you strong.
2: <laughs> it, it, it makes you alive to live another day, right? Alive
1: to live another day, a life with purpose and meaning and consciousness. You know, sometimes I like to, to, to ask my guests this question, especially those of us that are parents and you talked about your wife and kids. You know, we have a few minutes before we end this um, episode. But your son, Duran, he's 35 years old now. He's getting his mental health checkup because his dad believes in counseling. He believes in therapy.
2: Okay, okay. <laughs> so he
1: finds his safe, his safe place. He's in America's favorite psychotherapist's office. And she asked him about his childhood. And she asked who his father was until he was about 16 years old. What does he say?
2: Mm, my youngest son, who's 10 now at 35 years old, is in your office, America's favorite therapist. Who was your father when you were growing up? He says, My father was a guy who didn't tell me to go die for my dreams. He showed me. You're going to make me cry. That's
3: what I got to say.
2: You're going to make me cry. But yeah, Hmm. that's what he said.
3: Hmm.
1: So, since I'm a therapist, what are we feeling here? Ira, coming (laughs) up for
2: us. No, I mean, the greatest joy that I've ever had in my life Mm -hmm. is for my children and my family to be able to see me build what was in my heart. It's nothing like it. We can send our kids to school, we can tell them you can be whatever you want to be, but very few parents show them the model. Right? And my kids get to see me, they're at the epicenter of me building this from paper to reality. They were at my first live event when I was on crutches and they looked around and they said, "Yo, this is what this is what all of this has been about." 7 years of heart and grind. And so I saw you when nobody was listening. Daddy, now they fly from all over the country. And I I'll, I'll give you this. My oldest son was at the event. He said, Man, at the end of the event, he said, Man, I left my phone in the car. I thought I was going to need it because you know I thought maybe I would get bored. But he said, Daddy, I was locked in from 8 a.m. to 5 p.m. Never was a dull moment that that blew me away. And so for me, I'm just feeling gratitude to be able to be the example of what a dream diver is to the people who know me when the lights weren't on, when the cameras weren't on, when the podcast calls weren't coming in. So that for me is powerful. So that's where the emotion comes from.
1: And that is powerful because what I heard and what I see is that deep level of, gratitude, going back to the Ira that was walking in that therapist's office, who didn't know what the future hold, who didn't know what to tell his kids, and then to be in this moment and to be living and not just talking, but living it out in front of them, it truly is a blessing, and it truly is a blessing. And I would imagine that day when they're 35, both of your boys, that you'll be having a different conversation about their childhood. So in 10 seconds, yeah. the year is 2025. What do we see in Ira's life and how is he living out his purpose?
2: 2025? I love it. The year 2025, Iris is going to have a fully functional multi-million dollar uh, movie studio where I produce movies to inspire the greatest dreamers on the planet, telling you the stories about the greatest dreamers who ever walked on this planet. Number two, uh, I plan to have uh, my own facilities in at least seven countries at seven different drop zones around the world where we'll have our own dream direct company hangars, airplanes, and facilities where we can host live events and take people uh, dream diving in mass quantities um, and being on Oprah's couch, telling a story on how it was done to inspire other people to give them a blueprint on how they can take a a video that found them at 2 a.m. in the morning where God spoke to them and gave them an assignment. If they're willing to be obedient and obeying, be crazy, that they can do the impossible too.
1: They can do the impossible too. And in the meantime, and Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Thank you so much today, Ira. We are looking forward to your event. And I will, I'm, I'm continuing thinking about this jump, but right now the, the, the wind tube has been good enough for me. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Thank you so but, much.
1: But an ending quote from one of my favorite humans, Oprah Winfrey, as you heard her name just now. Everyone has a story, and there is something to be learned from every experience. Just as Ira said, if you're still breathing, you have a second chance. Thank you for joining us on another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey.
0: Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week.